Today's reading is from 1 Samuel 24, and we'll read in Korean, Dutch, Norwegian, Portuguese, Tagalog, and Cantonese. Behind us, the chapter will be in English if you want to follow along. Sauri Bureset Saramur Dadaraga Doraome Hogi Gurge Gohayo Garodwe Bososo Dawishi Engedi Huang Mujia Itaita Sauri on Isare Reso Tekan Saram San Chonur Ganorigo Dawigua Gur Saram Durur Chajaro Durium So Bawiro Garse by in Paraschaps goyen langs de weg ging hij een God binnen om zijn behoefte te doen. Maar achterin de God zaten David en zijn mannen. Dit is een kans, zeiden de mannen tegen hem. Dit is de dag waarop de Heer tegen u zegt, Ik geef uw vijand in uw macht, doe met hem wat u wilt. Toen stond David op zijn sneed stilletjes een stuk van Saul's mantel af. Uh, verse 5. Men sidan David att det stack ham i hjärtat för han hade skorit fliken av Sauls kappe och han så sa till männena sina Måte Herren fri mig ifrån och göra något slikt mot min herre mot Herren salvede och lägga han på han för Herrens salvede er han. David snakket mennene sine til rette og ga dem ikke lov, ga dem ikke lov til å gå løs på sol. Saul forlot hullen, hulen for å dra, dra sin vei. Da reiste David sig, gikk ut av hulen og ropte etter ham. Herre konge, Saul så sig tilbake, og David bøyde sig med ansiktet mot jorden. Um, verse 9. At sinabi ni David kay Saul, bakit ka nakikinig sa mga salitan ng mga tao na nagsasabi narito, pinagsisikapan kang saktang ni David. Narito, Nakita ngayon ng iyong mga mata kung paanong ibinigay ka ngayon ng Panginoon sa aking kamay sa Yunib at sinabi sa akin ng iba na patayin kita. Nga nyonit hindi kitang inano at aking sinabi hindi ko iuunat ang aking kamay laban sa aking Panginoon sapagkat siya ang pinahiran lang, ng langis ng Panginoon. Bukod dito'y iyong tingnan, ama ko. Oo, tingnan mo ang lalayan ng iyong babalabal sa aking kamay. Sapagkat sa pagputol ko ng lalayan ng iyong balabal, ay hindi kita pinatay. Talastasin mo at tingnan mo na wala kahit kasamaan. O, pagsalangsang man sa aking kamay at hindi ako nagkasala laban sa iyo. Bagaman iyong pinag-uusig ang akin kaluluwa upang kunin. Verse 12 O Senhor jogi entre mim e ti, vingue ele os males que tens feito contra mim, mas não levantarei a mão contra ti. 
Como diz o provérbio antigo, dos ímpios vêm coisas ímpias, por isso não levantarei a minha mão contra ti. Contra quem saiu o rei de Israel? A quem está perseguindo? A um cão morto, a uma pulga. O Senhor seja o juiz e nos julgue. Considere ele minha causa e a sustente, que ele me julgue, livrando-me de tuas mãos. Verse 16 起肯放他平安無事地去呢? 所羅就回家去,大我和跟隨他的人上山寨去了。Great. Well, that is the word of the Lord in different languages. Fantastic. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, Pentecost, the spirit came down. People saved from all nations. And so wonderful to have us all here at Shatin Church. All right, let's keep that passage open. We're doing uh, 24 to 26, but uh, especially focused on chapter 24. And why don't we pray together as we come to God's Word. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for Jesus. And we pray that we would see him clearly today. And you would spur us on by your spirit to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, like I said, it's great to have, uh, have the youth with us. And uh, I have two youth uh, myself, uh, part of the kids, and I notice now kind of how old I am, how different things are these days. I came across this thing on the internet about video games. I don't know if you've seen it. I'll give you time to read it. Kind of video games then and now. Back then, I was young. We had to. Uh, yeah, but they had computers when I was young. Uh, they had. Uh, yeah, you had to just play, right? You had to reach the end and just get getting better and better. Now you just become a member and you pay for everything and you you've got it all. It's so different, right? But that's a modern culture, isn't it? We don't want to wait. Uh, if you have the money, well, let's get it now. Why do it the difficult long way when you can do it the easy way? That's what, we, that's what Hong Kong is built on, right? That's, everything's so convenient. Why do we have takeout so often? It's so much easier, right? Why do all the difficult work when you can just do the easy thing? Now, of course, uh, nothing wrong with takeaways, nothing wrong with paying for this if you want to. But, of course, we bring that attitude to the Christian life as well, right? And then the Christian life can be hard. You know, serving, doing good. 
uh, that is hard work. And isn't there just an easier way? You know, fighting sin. Uh, we, we know we need to do that. And yet we just, uh, why does it have to be such a hard slog? Can we just have an easy shortcut? Can I just go to heaven now? Can Jesus come back? Let, let's get it over with. Right? That's our life as a Christian. We, we'd love to have some shortcuts. Uh, I don't know if you are, maybe you're here, you're not a Christian. Uh, Christian life looks hard to you. And why does it have to be this way? Well, today we come to uh, the perfect passage for that. Uh, we're in a series on 1 Samuel. Many people here, of course, uh, you're new to this, a solid rock. Uh, 1 Samuel is uh, yeah, it's the story of David. David is God's king in the Old Testament, the greatest king. And he's there as a picture of Jesus. When we look at David, we can see like a small scale model of Jesus and see what he will be like. Uh, we can see what it's like to follow David, what it's like to follow Jesus. So that's why we're, we're looking at David, looking at what it means, well, what it was like to follow him. And uh, well, because it was tough to follow David. David is the king. And in a way, everyone knows that, well, he's, he's going to be the king. Except that as you heard, in, or as you read, you heard in the reading, uh, the current king Saul is trying to kill him. And so David, even though he's chosen by God, he spends more than 10 years in caves, hiding, uh, running away, trying to escape from Saul. It's a very tough life. Uh, not just for him. Uh, he's got 400 men with him, people who've fed up with Saul, they came to David, but they are hiding. They are running away. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a tough life. Well, until we then get to today's story, right? Because today is about that easy shortcut. David, well, he's hiding in uh, En Gedi, which is a kind of desert area with lots of caves. Uh, Saul gets notice of it. Hey, David is hiding in En Gedi. So he gets 3,000 soldiers and goes to, uh, goes to En Gedi. And then we get some of those things that you never see in the Bible, but it, it happens, right? Uh, he's, uh, maybe he feels some bowel movement, and he goes to a cave. A uh, bit of privacy, and uh, right? that's what the passage says. A bit humiliating, but yeah, this is Saul, right? Saul needs to do something, so he goes into a cave, does his business. Big surprise. David and his men were in the cave. You know, thousands of caves... Saul goes into the one cave where David is hiding with his men. And his men, well, they see the opportunity, right? Look there, Saul, you know, <laughs> squatting. Go get your, get your sword. Kill him, right? This is the day. Look, look what an opportunity God has given you. You can kill him. I mean, that's what we want, right? If Saul is dead, then, you know, no more running. No more hiding. Back to normal. Here is the easy shortcut, you know? Uh, they want revenge. They, they, they want their life back. David, go and kill him. And so David, well, he gets his sword. He stands up, goes to Saul. What's going to happen? Well, I think the big thing we see, Saul is a, and David is a different kind of king. A very different kind of king. What does David do? He doesn't do it. He doesn't kill Saul. He cuts off a bit of Saul's robe, just a corner of Saul's robe. And even after that, he says, wow, his conscience is stricken. Oh, I've cut off a corner of his robe. God forbid that I do this. Now, you may not think this is very important, just a bit of his robe. 
Um, I mean, the robe symbolizes Saul's kingship. It symbolizes his kingdom. We saw that a few weeks ago as well. So, in a way, this is quite a symbolic thing that David does. But, you know, touching God's chosen king, he says, no, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do wrong. And so he, he does not kill. No, I'm not going to do this. Yeah? Um, I think he recognized that well. I mean, just because something is a, a good opportunity doesn't make it right. You know, if, if it means sinning, if it means killing God's chosen king, <laughs> you shouldn't do it. Right? An opportunity can be a temptation. But here he goes. Look, I'm not going to kill Saul. No, this is God's king. I shouldn't lay a hand on him. This is for God to do. And he tells that to his men. No, we're not doing that. And, and, and Saul gets up and goes. No, David doesn't want to do wrong. He wants to be a different kind of king. He, he wants to be blameless. Right? He goes out after Saul even. A very risky move, right? Saying, hey Saul, and holds up the cloth. And he emphasizes, look, I'm innocent. I haven't done anything wrong. Uh, hear his language. Uh, there's nothing in my hands to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you're hunting me down to take my life. The thing he emphasizes over and over, no, I'm not going to do wrong. I'm going to be blameless. And that's, that's so different. And doing the right thing here must be hard, right? Like I said, it can all be over. It's costly. If he lets all go, more hiding, more running, more suffering. Even the risk, right? He goes out. I mean, it's so easy for Saul to say, hey, there's David, kill him. What a risk to just go out and, and try to convince Saul, look, look at me, I'm blameless. I'm not trying to kill you. I've done nothing wrong. Let me go. And yet, he does that. Why, of course? Well, he has faith. He has such trust in God, right? Uh, like verse 15. May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering from your hand. Now, I'm going to do right. I'm going to wait for God. I, I can trust him. God, you know, he's in charge. He will bring the kingdom. He will make me king. I'm not going to lay it hands. I'm going to do right. What a move, right? Well, would you have done that if you were there? Or would you have taken the opportunity? Now, thankfully, it works, right? Uh, Saul, you know, he breaks down in tears. He weeps aloud because he now, he sees it. Uh, well, look at what he says. You are more righteous than I, he said. You've treated me well, but I've treated you badly. Uh, may the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. What an admission. I know that you will surely be king. The kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Even Saul can see it now. Wow, this guy, he is the king. He is blameless. And then that, that runs all through these chapters. David is just such a blameless king. Chapter 26, um, as you've seen maybe, maybe you read it, those three chapters is a bit like a sandwich. Yes, chapters 24, 26, David refuses to kill Saul. It's pretty much the same story, which is kind of sad, right? You think Saul has changed his mind. Except in chapter 26, <laughs> David, he hears David is hiding. Again, he gets 3,000 soldiers. And again, David has a chance to kill Saul. Saul hasn't changed, and yet again, he doesn't do it. I'm not going to kill Saul. And again, what does he say? Look, the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. God's going to reward me. I'm going to do what's right. 
and he will deliver, the Lord will value my life and deliver me from all trouble. This is God's king. This is a different king, a king who doesn't seize power, a king who doesn't just take the easy way out, but a king who, who does right, who even when it's cost, even when it's risky, he follows God's way. He, he follows God's timing. I mean, what a king, right? I mean, this is in a way what we want, don't we? I don't know, you know, it's such a contrast with Saul. You may wonder why is Saul no longer the king? Why has God rejected him? Well, he was the exact opposite. You know, he had to wait for God, and he couldn't. No, let's do it now. Even though God had forbidden it, no, let's do it now. He was impatient, he didn't trust God. I'm gonna do, even if I'm, you know, I want, I want this. Even if I have to sin for it, I'm gonna do it. What a contrast then with David, right? David who says, no, I'm gonna do what's right. I'm gonna trust God. That's truly the man after God's heart. And that's, the, that's what God wants, right? That's why, you know, he rejected Saul, he chose David. This is what I want. This is a patient king. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we want. And ultimately, yeah, uh, such a picture of Jesus, right? Jesus is so different. He was someone with all the power in the world. And yet, what does he do? Uh, he is offered, you know, here, have all the kingdoms of the world. You don't need to go to the cross. And he says, no. God wants me to go to the cross. I'm going to go to the cross. He can, has the power to make everyone follow him. Instead, he just tells the truth that God gave him and trusts the Father to bring people to him. People arrest him and torture him, and he, he can just overpower them. And yet, no, I'm going to trust in the Father's timing. He's on the cross. He can come down. No, I'm going to just patiently waiting, having all the power in the world and not using it. I mean, what a king, right? Jesus is just so special, so different from the world. I mean, we, we see that, right? We want things now. The whole world says, Let, let's have it now. Patience is such a, yeah, uh, it's such a, it's, it's such a lack of virtue in this world, right? I mean, in a way, that's what people tell us, you know, evolution, selfish, right? Selfishness is our nature, that's what we hear. Jesus is different. God is different. Other religions, you look at Islam. Uh, what is Muhammad like? Muhammad wasn't like this. Mohammed didn't trust God. He just—he was a warlord who conquered countries, and you need to become a Muslim or will, or you die. So different, right, from Jesus, who just trusted God and kept going. What do you make of Jesus? Well, if you—if you, maybe you're a youth and you're not sure yet, what, what, what do I make of Jesus or a visitor? How can someone have all the power and not do anything? Someone who has, you know, you know that saying: power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, except Jesus. Absolute power, and yet blameless, righteous, perfect, nothing wrong. What do you make of Jesus, the perfect king? He's truly different. And that's what we see here so clearly. Although you may wonder, isn't that stupid? Isn't it stupid to just give your life like that? Isn't it, isn't it David, stupid to just let Saul run away when he can. Well, the passage wants to say, no, look, you can do this. Can we trust God? Yes, we can. God can be trusted. 
because there's this middle story about Abigail. I don't know if you read it. It's very similar. Uh, it's about a guy called Nabal, and uh, David and his men have been protecting uh, his wealthy land, and you know, at some point they ask for some food, and Nabal says, no way. Uh, which is a real insult. This is not just a, a beggar or something when you walk by. It's a real insult. Uh, David, he gets angry. You know, Nabal rejects him. Well, he gets his sword. Everyone, 400 men, let's get our swords. Let's kill. Such a, he's a real human, right, David? You know, uh, 24, such a highlight. And then 25, actually, he loses his temper and he wants to, he wants to get it. Thankfully, as you know, Nabal has a beautiful, smart wife like me. Um, so uh, his wife gets food and stops David. Uh, again, in his, her speech, what does she say? Look, David, you don't need to do this. David, you don't need to kill. God will sort it out. Right? God can be trusted. Yeah, uh, when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him, and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have in all his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed, or having avenged himself. Look, David, you don't need to do this. God will take care of Nabal. You don't need to kill him. And, and David, oh yeah, I, he doesn't do it. But what's different in the story that, yeah, God acts. Because the uh, next day, Abigail tells Nabal, look, this is what happened. You nearly got killed last night, and I stopped you. Wow. And then he gets, a, he gets a heart attack, and 10 days later, he dies. God sorted out. And let God take care of Nabal. 10 days later, God did. It's all done. And so God can be trusted, right? He can be, could be trusted with Nabal, and Nabal is just a picture of Saul. Uh, the guy who's wronged David, Nabal, uh, it means fool. Don't know what his mother was thinking, but Nabal, <laughs> fool. And if there's one thing that Saul is often called, it's a fool. So God is saying, look, I took care of this fool. Trust me, I can take care of the other fool. Trust me. God can be trusted. And why can David be a different king? Why can he trust God? Well, God can be trusted. Well, we'll talk about it more next week. But yeah, that's how you can do risky things. That's how you can do God costly things. God, God can be trusted. Whenever someone sins in a way they don't trust God, right? I steal because I don't trust God will provide. I cheat because I don't trust God. I don't wait until marriage because I don't trust God. I, I, I commit violence because I don't trust God to bring justice. It's always the same. We don't trust God, but no, you can trust God. And so if we can trust God, well, we can be a different kind of follower. If we have a different kind of king, God says, well, I want different kind of followers, us. Because the thing is, David wants the same for his men, right? It's the men who say to David, come on, kill him. You know, let's get this over with. But David says to his men, no. You know, he, he has to rebuke them. He has to stop them. Uh, with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. Uh, the sharply rebuked is too soft. It's a really violent word. He really had to stop them. No. He wants them to do the same. You guys need to trust God, even if that means more suffering. Even if that means risk, right? Because, you know, when he goes out of the cave, hey, Saul, I'm here. His men are also in the firing line. And yet, no. No. You guys need to follow me. You know, 
God wants a different kingdom, a different king, different followers. And again, that's what God wants for us through Jesus, right? Jesus, the one who trusted God, who always did what is right. Well, the New Testament says he, we should follow Jesus. We should, again, not get uh, do the easy way. We should do it God's way. And if God's way is hard, and if God's way is costly, and if God's way is risky, we should still do God's way. Because that's the kingdom of God. Now, it can look all kinds of ways. Yeah? Um, of course, we, none of us go to the cross, but you know, the temptation is always there, right? The temptation to just not trust God. Maybe you're a youth and you've got exams, and, and you can cheat. You know, what an opportunity. And, and that means that I can get a better result, a better university. Well, do you trust God? Can you say, no, I don't need this. God will take care of me. God will make sure I go to the university he wants. I don't need to do this. I'm going to do what's right. Uh, maybe there's a, a chance to steal from your boss. Great chance, right? And, and, you know, COVID has hit my family hard. I really need this money. Okay, can you say, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God. I'm, I'm not going to do this. God will take care of my family. God will provide. I, I don't need this. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be different. Um, anything. I mean, these are negative examples, saying no. But how about the positive? Maybe you're in a, in a marriage and, and your spouse is just so selfish. It's so easy to take the easy way out then, right? You just uh, let's get a divorce. And that's the easy shortcut. How about trusting God and, and following Jesus and say, no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to do good. And I'm, I'm going to pray that in God's time, he will sort this out. That, that God, like Saul, had a change of heart for a bit. That, that, you know, my spouse would be changed if I just love, if I just follow Jesus' way. And even when they don't change, I'll still keep going and trust God. You know, God will judge between us. God will reward faithfulness and righteousness. I'm going to do this. No, that is, that's Jesus' way. Changing the world, you know, politics. Again, Christians, how is God going to change the world? He's not going to send, do it through armies. Sadly, some Christians have done that, right? The Crusades, or even now Christians seeking political power. No. Jesus wants us to change the world, but through love, through good deeds, through patience, through the church. Just a bunch of people who follow Jesus, who love like him. I hope we want to do that. I mean, I hope you can see that it makes sense, right? Because God is changing the world. He wants to make it different. Why would you, you want to bring just, you want to have justice. Why would you use injustice to get there? You want to have peace. Why would you use violence to get peace? This doesn't make sense. No, God wants us to be different. And, and, and we can. You know, we, remember Pentecost, we have the Spirit. God has empowered us. We can do it different. And in a way, that's how people are going to see God. God's gonna, people are going to see God in your life when you are different. If you live exactly the same as the world, then how is God real in your life? But if you do things that you would only do if God is real, people will see that. Now, let's, uh, let's follow Jesus. It's hard. It's more running, more hiding, loving, patience. But God is going to do this. And so, remember Pentecost, 
we can do this. So next time you're tempted to sin, next time you wonder, what shall I do? Let's follow Jesus and let's trust God that he will work it out in his time for his glory. Well, what a great chapter, right? Well, why don't we just take a moment to think and reflect and then I'll pray and then we sing. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love, his patience, his kindness, how he is so different from any other leader, any other religion, any other king. Father, we've been won over by his love. Please, would you help us to show that love to the world? Help us to be your church that follows your way and trusts you and your timing and your plans and that doesn't just look after ourselves. Father, we know we need your strength. We thank you for your spirit who came at Pentecost that envisioned us, that empowered us to live for you. Uh, please, would we hear your call and, and be your kingdom people here in this world, that we would be different and you would get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.